Welcome to the Sage Women podcast, hosted by Melanie White and Dr. Nick Engerer. We have real conversations with real women, health professionals, and coaches who share stories about perimenopause, menopause, and a range of women's health issues. Please subscribe so you get the latest updates every fortnight. Hey, it's Melanie White here, and this is the Sage Women's Podcast, where we talk to experts, coaches, dietitians, and real people about menopause and all things related. And today I'd like to introduce to you Dr. Lydia Altini. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Melanie. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Lydia. I really appreciate you taking the time. And I know that we're talking about the Australasian Menopause Congress today, but can you give us a little bit of a background about you, a bit of a bio, so everyone knows who we're listening to? Yes, um, sure. Uh, I'm a, a GP. Uh, I have a passion for lifestyle medicine. I, I um, am a lifestyle medicine physician and, uh, and, a, and a health coach. I have been working as a, as a health coach for the last few years here in Australia. And um, I really am interested in women's health. I guess what I'd love to see more than anything is um, women being able to age well, to be strong women, maintaining their their brain health as they as they age. And you know, I just don't think there's any reason for us to fear aging if we were, are able to make changes to our lifestyle. There's a lot of bad press around, isn't there, about ageing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's not for the faint-hearted. <laughs> <laughs> not something we can avoid either. Yeah, we could open a whole can of worms on that topic, but um, thanks for your introduction and background. I know you've done some really important and interesting work in your time as a doctor. Actually, could you tell us what you think is the most significant thing that you've done in your career before we get started? I started out my career um, as a researcher in the microbicides um, area, which was a women's controlled um, um, method of, of um, HIV prevention. Um, and we did we did amazing work um, in Cape Town in South Africa uh, in that area. But since then, um, I would say that I've also really enjoyed working um, as a as a mindfulness um, uh, facilitator uh, that has been incredibly rewarding um, managing uh, or facilitating uh, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy and stress reduction programs and and then just educating uh, people around how to change their health behaviors um, it's just been so satis satisfying so rewarding to see chronic diseases being reversed yeah yeah, a lot of people don't even realise that it's possible. They think that they have to take pills or that they're just going to fall apart gradually like an old decaying building that's had no maintenance, but it's actually not the case. It's just so interesting that so many people aren't aware of what they can do for themselves. Exactly, yeah. Right, well, Lydia, I know you attended the Australasian uh, Menopause Conference over the last few days. Can you give us a little bit of background? What was it all about? 
Uh, yeah, so it was in Queenstown. Um, I, I was online, um, and uh, the byline I think was a remarkable reflections on midlife and menopause, and there re really was um, remarkable. Uh, it was a gathering of mostly um, doctors and other healthcare professionals, um, obviously people who've got a special interest in women's health uh, and menopause, and. Um, I think the focus of the conference was really to, to look at the, the latest research, um, to get everyone up to speed on, on, on the guidelines, the, the most recent management guidelines. Um, yeah, it was, it was a real privilege to, to be part of it. Uh, I felt very inspired. That sounds fantastic, Lydia. It sounds like it was a very rich few days. It was, it was. The, there were... Um, incredible speakers, uh, both international and um, national. Um, there we, the keynote speaker was a professor, uh, Nick Panay from the UK, and um, he spoke on uh, premature ovarian insufficiency. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, but uh, the, the topics ranged from, um, for, you know, from early menopause to um, how to manage osteoporosis, um, stress, sleep, um uh, uh, weight gain um uh and e e you know, even how to manage menopause in uh, breast cancer survivors so uh, yeah lots of interesting topics things that you wouldn't normally um, get to hear about and, and why was it important for you to attend attend personally uh well I'm working in the in the menopause, perimenopause and menopause space. I, I'm a consultant to Sage Women's Health, and you know we we know that um, there really is a lot of uh, there there are a lot of knowledge gaps um, amongst women when it comes to perimenopause and menopause. There's also um, a lot of stigma. Um, many women uh, don't feel comfortable talking about their symptoms with their peers. And uh, and so as a result, they might um, you know, resort to going uh, to look for information on the internet or um, getting it on social media platforms. And there's a lot of misinformation out there, mm. uh, a lot of confusion. So I feel that, um, like I say, working in the space as a consultant, I think we we really need to be abreast of the current research. We mm. want to. Uh, uh, be able to advise women on on what's evidence based and point them in the direction of of uh, reliable resources that are available. It, it sounds like a very important point to make in that you're saying that a lot of people aren't talking to their peers, and so then naturally they would be going online for information. And then, what are the primary references to look for? What are the credible sources of information? Do they cover all of the needs and do they cover the emerging research too I suppose things I'm thinking about now as you're talking about it um, what was most interesting for you Lydia at that conference um, well um, I'm going to touch on on two things that I found most interesting um, the as I mentioned the the um, uh, keynote speaker uh, spoke about premature ovarian insufficiency. And he was also joined by um, Professor uh, Amanda Vincent from Menashe Health mm -hmm. in Australia. And she spoke about early menopause. And 
and I found those two talks really interesting because I wasn't aware, um, for instance, just how common early menopause is. Uh, it affects one in 12 women. Wow. And, um, uh, and, um, and because men and, and early menopause is menopause that happens to women before the age of 45. Wow. So that's, that's quite, you know, for many women, um, going through that at such a young age, they, they, they're going to feel so isolated because it's not something that's happening to, to their friends, to, to people that they might um, be socializing with. And it also puts them at much higher risk of, um, of health issues later on. So it in increases their risk of heart disease, of osteoporosis, of dementia. So it's so important that it that it's um, diagnosed early and managed appropriately with the with the right treatment. And I think um, that uh, and, and, and as Professor Vincent actually mentioned, she said that it can take um, in twenty five percent of cases it can take more than five years for a woman to be actually diagnosed properly, which is quite shocking when you think of the health implications and you know the the chronic diseases that that might happen um, later on with with the delayed diagnosis yeah being able to understand and recognize that early means that you can intervene and perhaps slow the the progression of some of those things I yes suppose. yeah and it affects women psychologically psychosocially as you can imagine mm. um and i wanted to mention um the two resources actually that professor vincent has um been working on uh, for women and the one is um, uh, where is that that is the healthtalkaustralia.org um, a really great website um, where they where you can actually go and read about women's experiences which I think is, is so useful and then there's also an app called um, askearlymenopause.org as well so just wanted to make sure that that's out there for those women. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that, Lydia. I'll put those in the episode show notes so that anyone listening to this who's going through early menopause can have access to that because it sounds like I can imagine that somebody who's 39 or 40 and going through early menopause might not understand what's happening to them. Yes, exactly, yeah. And then uh, perhaps not doing anything about it or wondering mm. is the problem and, and who can mm. help be quite confronting and I even talking about that so many women are having children later in life mm. and there's potentially a, a a challenge there for, for women who've chosen a career or other things in, in preference to having children are starting to think about childbearing yes mid to late 30s and then confronted with the symptoms of early menopause yes I'm so glad you mentioned that um, Melanie because that in fact is one of the um, biggest concerns of women going through early menopause and um, premature in ovarian insufficiency is um, is infertility that that comes up as the highest concern. Yeah. So you mentioned this um, the the keynote talk, the opening talk of primary ovary insufficiency. Is that the sole first step toward early menopause, or are there other things that might cause early menopause? Um, premature ovarian insufficiency is when women go through menopause um, before the age of 40. Mm -hmm. uh, and early menopause is 
uh, when menopause occurs before the age of 45. So they're slightly different. Um, uh, premature ovarian insufficiency um, is, it, in most cases, it's probably genetic. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the uh, you know, women who may have um, had cancer as young women um, and have had to have chemotherapy or surgery um, will be affected. Right. And um, and then there are some other risk factors as well. Um, smoking is is a risk factor. Um, um, possibly being exposed to pollutants. So, yeah, there there are a few a few other risk factors. Mm. Makes us really stand back and then look at what we've done in, in, through our lives, and even thinking about that the fact that lipstick used to contain lead and all of those sorts of things and paint used to contain lead and all of the toxins that we might be exposed to and through no fault of our own necessarily as we learn more about how the body works and what impacts the expression of genes. Yes. um, Perhaps the last 30 or 40 years has uh, seen us exposed to a few things that might be outside of our control. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yes, but I know you covered a lot in that in the Congress. What were a couple of key takeaways for you? Um, well, the the one thing that I would just um, well, as I said in the beginning, I'm a lifestyle medicine physician, and so lifestyle changes are uh, you know are my thing. Um, mm-hmm. And there was a a, a wonderful presentation by um, Professor Belinda Beck. Uh, who is from Griffith University uh, in Australia. And um, I, I, she spoke about the importance of, um, of exercise and um, strength training mm-hmm. um, uh, to, to increase bone mineral d- density. And, um, and there, were, there were some other talks about, about lifestyle as well. And so I, I would say that one of the key takeaways for me was um, the importance of um, making lifestyle changes um, um, as early as possible, really, but particularly during men- perimenopause and as we're going through menopause to, to really protect ourselves, or, or perhaps I could say defend ourselves when we start losing the um, protective effect of estrogen. Um, we, um, we really do need to to be um, to be aware that we are uh, as as we go through menopause that we are, are going to be at much higher risk of heart disease, as I said, um, of osteoporosis, um, of dementia, and and um, and there's so much that we can do, um, and particularly um, as Pr- Professor Belinda Beck spoke about, and she has um, also got some wonderful resources on a, a on a website called healthybonesaustralia.org.au um, <clears throat> that um, you know walking yes any kind of physical activity is, is going to be great it's better than nothing um, but we but if you want to actually grow your bone and and prevent osteoporosis then you need to be overloading it which means that women we we need to be doing strength training Mm-hmm. Um, we need to be lifting those weights. <laughs> so that was a, a huge takeaway for me. Yeah. Anything else come up for you? Um, 
Yes, um, I, I was just so impressed, really, at at what's been done in this space. Uh, the the amount of of work that's been done to um, first of all to to find out um, you know what exactly are women experiencing. So there are some surveys that are being done. There's a there's a registry called the Vital Registry that's I think started last year. Its um, aim is to collect as much information as possible from women all over Australia mm -hmm. uh, to to really understand their experiences um, of going through peri and menopause um, so that we know um, how to support them. What what do they need uh, in, you know, both in the community and in the workplace? And and then and then just to become aware of, of the resources that are available out there to to close those knowledge gaps, um, to to um, uh, to provide education, and and there was an interesting study that has shown that in, that education in itself can actually help women manage their symptoms um, better. Just just knowledge, knowledge is is power, um, most certainly is. So yes, very inspiring to see the work that's been done, um, both um, as both from clinicians and and from researchers. Um, and that there are so many options that no woman going through this phase of their lives with troubling symptoms needs to suffer. You, there, there, are, there are options for everyone. I think that's where the gap is for everyone at the moment. It's this, firstly, nobody talks about menopause and symptoms, so we don't actually know what people are experiencing but there's some great new research coming out that's talking about and unpacking those things. Yeah. And then it's how do you bring the education to those women so that they know that they have choices? And then how do you help them not be overwhelmed by all of that and help them navigate that journey? And I think that's really an important part of the role that we have as coaches to help people understand yeah. their unique circumstance, their unique options, and then to help them implement what's being recommended by a health professional. Yes. Yeah. No, I love that. You've uh, summarised it beautifully. <laughs> well, just as you were talking about it, I thought it really is a step-by-step -step journey, isn't it? It's, it's it is. closing each of those gaps mm. in a step-by-step -step way to help somebody understand what their own options are and for that, that person to feel empowered that they yes. know at least where to start and what their choices are. Yeah. That's right. And it's and it is an overwhelming phase of one's life. You know, not only are we dealing with these these symptoms, but we are raising children and maybe taking care of aging parents and and working. And um, yeah, there's so many things going on um, at this time of our lives. So the more support we can get, the better. Yeah, some of us are running businesses, some of us yes. are in leadership positions and mm half as much sleep and half as much headspace and brain fog and all of those things it's yeah. how do I actually keep my business afloat or how do I maintain my position do I want to mm. what else do I need to do that requires more time and what has to give in order to make that time it's a lot for us to think about at this stage yes mm. yeah so I agree with you I think working with a coach is is an incredible gift um to yourself yeah 
Lydia, thanks so much for your thoughts on the Congress. Do you have anything else as a as a parting comment or, or tip? Um, I would say, um, uh, yes, well, hopefully some of those um, those resource, resources that I mentioned will be helpful, um, but there are others. Um, uh, Jean Hales um, provide excellent resources. So I would say, you know, um, in, uh, educate yourself um, from credible re, um, uh, sources. And, and if you need to see a health professional, um, just make sure that they are that they have a special interest in this area, that they are well-trained because not everyone is. Mm. Um, and you want to, you want to have, you want to be given the best options for you in, you know, for your unique situation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as you were talking about that, I thought I suppose to add, if you're going to work with a coach, they should be certified by NBHWC or Hakansa in Australia. Yes. So that you know the coach you're working with is properly trained and exactly. able to refer as appropriate for things outside scope. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for your time today, Lee. It was lovely to hear about your takeaways from the conference. And thanks so much for sharing those links that will be really important for some people. And we'll pop those in the show notes. Yeah, no, it was a pleasure. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you so much. Have a great afternoon. <laughs> thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm.